Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am really, really happy to introduce this gentleman named Danny Flood to the show who has just written an incredible book called Dr. Growth. He's someone I've been following now for the last few months on Instagram because he has a website called Open World Magazine. Um, and he is a digital nomad, somebody who is location independent from work, making his way around the world and actually seemingly making money doing it compared to myself at the moment. But with that said, Danny, welcome to the show. Hey, Chapin. What's up, man? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, dude. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. I know you're, you're sitting in Mumbai, India right now. You kind of, I'm, I'm assuming you're on a little bit of a book tour. Is that correct? Or are you just um, consulting right now? Yeah, so I just launched the book, Dr. Growth. I'm originally from California, but I've been a nomad for, gosh, I don't even know how many years now, like eight or nine years, so traveling and living abroad, basically. And the book just launched this week. We just launched on Tuesday, and oh my God, I've had the most wild week. It's just been nonstop. Uh, <laughs> so I've just kind of taken some time to, to relax. Release in consumer behavior and in direct marketing. And I've been basically uh, traveling all around Asia, and I've been doing you know, workshops and seminars. Um, this past Sunday, I spoke at a hackathon in Hyderabad in front of 500 uh, finalists and the chief state minister. And uh, just last night, I spoke here in Bombay. We had about a good group, about 40 people. And um, yeah, I traveled around. I've been doing these workshops. And um, I'm at the co-working space where I spoke last night, and she just it's like, yeah, you can just use the space for free, whatever you want. You know, you can, it's all good. So. That's amazing, dude. Congratulations. Um, have you had any numbers come through yet on, on the type of sales you're getting from your book? Numbers as far as sales figures? Yeah. Um, I haven't really checked, to be honest. Um, this, this week I like, signed up like four or five new clients, so those, those numbers have been pretty good. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. I've just been, it's just been one thing after another, you know, so I've, Today I try to schedule all my calls today, so because uh, I knew I'd have good time and solid internet. So um, you know, like I'll have a call with a guy in like um, one guy in Hyderabad and another guy is in Vietnam, and um, and then you in Nicaragua. So you know, it's it's just been nonstop, but you know, it's been busy in a good way, and um, you know, business is growing better than ever before, and I, I feel very optimistic about the future. And I'm sitting here thinking about you know where I want to go next. Because there's so many countries that are just like nearby and uh, trying to plan an itinerary because I can pretty much go anywhere. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're an ambitious dude. I've, I've had the pleasure of listening to a few of your other podcasts you've been on. And I mean, you don't, you don't only have big goals for your business, but you also have big goals for your lifestyle. You know, your, your, one of your ambitions that caught my attention was to uh, fly a hot air balloon around the world. Is that still something you're pushing for? Yeah, I've done some training for that in Chiang Mai last year. I'll need to uh, to do some more hours before I can take the test, but um, that's one of the goals. Um, I'm here in Mumbai now, and I'm going to meet a guy 
uh, tomorrow who does like a he's a talent scout for like Bollywood films and Bollywood videos modeling stuff like that so I do a lot of uh, dancing as well so I've done street dancing uh, around the world you know in various cities I've shot videos and so I'm, I'm looking to be in some of these films and um, I've done a little bit of modeling as well like in Vietnam and some other places so uh, so I'm, I'm gonna meet him that this weekend and try to do some of that and then we'll see that's hilarious. I remember being down in Chennai actually and looking into that as well because I heard it was an easy way to make some bucks and they actually totally rejected me and my buddy. <laughs> They're just like, no, dude, you're not really what we're looking for. <laughs> I'm so surprised. It was like so easy to make money. Yeah, well, from what I hear, this guy doesn't pay a whole lot, but um, honestly, like I, I do it for the, the love, you know, I don't do anything. I don't really do anything for the money. You know, I just do what I love and you know, money's just a byproduct. I never had, uh, I never had an issue with money. Money's never had an issue with me. That's cool, man. Um, yeah, let's maybe talk a little bit about that because, yeah, you said you're from San Diego, and I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I came across anything uh, that would imply what you were doing before you became a digital nomad. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition from your normal life to digital nomadry? Yeah, well, I guess I never really became a digital nomad because. Um, I never even heard of that term back in that day, you know, it, um, that came around later. So I just uh, started an advertising uh, agency after college and I had an advertising degree. I was in the army for two years and then I went to uh, study advertising and um, just doing, you know, full service marketing, mostly like SEO and uh, web design, design, things like that. So I just... Um, I was getting my clients in San Diego and, you know, started working for them remotely. So I'd be like in Argentina or Brazil or Thailand and uh, just maintaining my clients from California. Um, but now I don't have to actually go and meet clients, you know, face to face. Now my clients are, I got about 30 clients now and they're all around the globe. So I just signed, you know, two clients uh, a couple days ago. One is in uh, Tijuana, another one's in like... Um, Panama City, um, and then I've got you know clients in Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, UK, really all over the place. Yeah, I really like what you said. I was listening Los to <clears throat> I was listening last night to your interview with um, Andrew Henderson on uh, Nomad Capitalist, and or maybe it was John Lee Dumas. I forget which one, but I really like that. You know, you had an aha moment where it was somebody said to you, you know, build build the the relationships stronger with the clients that you know already like you and that's interesting to me because i'm i'm in the online surf consulting business i teach people how to surf online kind of remotely I, I break down their video and i do i have like a handful of clients who absolutely love what i do and it struck me last night hearing that i was like i should really cultivate those relationships a lot more than i have been um but it sounds like you have 30 really just diehard clients that you know would would bleed for you is that correct well, I mean, some of my clients are better than others, you know, so I've had some that uh, I've worked with for like a year and a half, and they're, they usually don't tell me anything. I just do stuff, and they're really, they don't micromanage at all. Um, and then I have clients that, you know, try to squeeze every dollar that they can, and, um, you know, they might churn after a month or two. Uh, so if, if, you know, so dealing with churn is definitely an issue sometimes, because, you know, people don't have realistic expectations or whatever it might be, and um, sometimes I try to offer like uh, an exit offer so rather than having them cancel completely 
uh, I just offer them something that's like um, sweetens the pot a little bit or maybe like a, a little bit of a discount. So at least I keep the client. Most of the, the work I, uh, I don't have to do myself, you know, I just set it up one time and then it just runs forever or uh, I delegate some tasks to an assistant. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean the big thing for building my client base was, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was really acquisition heavy, especially last year and this year as well. So, um, you know, I want to build my client roster to be big. So um, I was really quite generous, you know, the, the price is very attractive, um, but I also offer like the first two weeks for free or a month for free and, um, you know, just to kind of let them see how it works, let them see what's working, um, see the marketing working and um, just kind of, you know, making sure that the, the client always, uh, making sure that I always get the short end of the stick so the clients, you know, always getting more in value, always trying to help them be more successful. Um, the thing that really frustrates me is that when I, I do something and I know like the, the strategies we use like work, but then I don't hear from the client for like a month or something, you know, and I, I send them messages, but uh, they're not really having a hand in the marketing. So they'll say, they'll churn and say, oh, I want to cancel it. I'm like, well, you know, I know this works, but you just haven't been responding to me. So, you know, we can't like form an effective strategy, unfortunately. So um, I wouldn't say that it's perfect. You know, I wouldn't say that like, you know, my client, every client loves me or not. Uh, but, you know, like we do have consistent results that, you know, are repeatable. Uh, that, that happened at work over and over again. So that's what I've been teaching in these workshops, and that's the subject of uh, subject matter of the new book as well. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because I mean, you sound like you're doing full time consulting. You have written multiple books. Like, how do you manage your time to get all the accomplish all this stuff with work? Well, I mean, this week has been really, really busy. I've done five talks in different cities throughout India this past week, and um, I just launched the book. So. This week has been quite tiring, but um, and in three new cities I've never been before. So, uh, but normally, like I, I have plenty of time to kind of just do whatever I want. Um, and traveling around, uh, traveling a lot, you know, I spend maybe a week or less in each place that I go. Uh, lately, it really forces you to be really disciplined about how you spend your time. So, I noticed that like I just don't do like aimless things once I'm working. I, I make sure that I stick to exactly to what my to-do list is, and like I'll complete one task. And it's like okay, what next? Uh, but being really disciplined is important because you know sometimes you only have like two hours that you can work. Um, normally, when I'm like you know at home in Thailand or something, I'll have a lot more time. I, I'll have a lot more free time than when I'm moving around so much. And um, I just have like two basic schedules that I operate on. So one is the maker schedule and one is the manager schedule. So um, if you're on the maker schedule, you need like uh, four or five, six hours of solitude to create something, to write a book, to do some programming. Uh, it's like a schedule for creatives. And then the manager schedule is more like 30 minute increments, hour increments where you have your schedule set up like this, where you might be doing a podcast interview like we are right now, or um, you know, having a consultation after that, you, know, you book all your appointments. So a day like today, Friday, I'm just, most of this week, basically, I'm working on the manager's schedule, um, you know, sending emails, replying to messages, and um, honestly, like, I got so many, so many people hitting me up right now, so I'm just trying to get through it all, um, you know, so many prospects and things, um, so many people that want to work with me, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep up with it all. <laughs> it's been overwhelming. Well, that's a good thing, brother. I mean, that maker's schedule, is that like mm -hmm. a philosophy that you came up with? How'd you, how'd you, how do you follow that? Where'd you hear about that? 
Well, it's an essay by uh, Paul Graham. He's the founder of Y Combinator. So you can look up Maker Schedule, Manager Schedule. And um, I think I consider myself mostly an introvert. So I kind of prefer to have some solitude where my thoughts can roam free and not where I can kind of come up with creative ideas, unique ideas. But then I think as uh, a creative entrepreneur, someone who creates my own products um, and also markets them too, I need to operate on both time frames. I think it's very important. Right. I was actually struck by that the other night when listening to one of your episodes uh, because I can definitely relate to being an introvert. I definitely need my time to have that creative process kind of flow. But one thing I felt like I really connected with you on was um, you kind of had a, a stint within the uh, pickup artist community. Is that what I heard? Oh, I think Andrew and I were joking around a little bit about that. Yeah, was that real news or was that, I mean, did you ever, um, I mean, you've obviously read the game and a few of the other books, I'm assuming. Yeah, I did um, maybe a decade ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the psychology of all that and just the, the subculture of people um, participating in it because I was very interested for a long time. Was it something you explored in depth or was it just something you kind of glazed over? Um, I mean, when I was in uh, college, I had like a party promotion business. So I, um, uh, along with a few of my friends in school, like we would organize these limo buses every week, um, maybe a couple times a week. And I was making pretty good money for a college student. Like we'd get like $15 per person that we brought. Mm-hmm. And so we'd fill up these limo buses. Maybe it was $10. So we, we could probably like 30 people or something. Um, and so, you know, I, I happen to know a lot of people who were in that scene. Uh, one of my friends was actually in that book, and he owns a, a club in San Diego. So sometimes I would kick it with him, and, uh, you know, we'd go to these clubs in downtown San Diego. And on a Wednesday, we'd have, like, maybe, like, 40 girls and just, like, four of us guys. And uh, just, just show up to the club. And uh, on a Wednesday, i just kind of take, take it over. So that was definitely a good experience, and uh, I, I don't regret anything. I, I don't... Uh, it's fun to look back on that. Um, but I think, you know, as far as where I'm at now, um, I think I'm doing things that are have more meaning to me. So um, I'm thinking more about what's my contribution and how am I helping people and how am I making the world better. So it's more about, like, my, my purpose than just, you know, pursuing uh, the next thrill, I guess you could say. No, I totally understand. I was, I think, more gearing the the direction of the conversation to, like, you know, helping you become more extroverted in social situations with females, you know, what did you find I see. some, you know, benefits to that? Or was it just a complete waste of time? No, it wasn't a waste of time at all. I don't regret anything. Um, I think that I learned a lot about communication and, but especially like when I was promoting parties, you know, I would have lists of names and I would just be calling up my friends or I'd be putting out MySpace bulletins, you know, to, to promote our parties or, Stuff like that. So I kind of learned how to be a promoter, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I read a lot of books at the time. So I read um, some great books like Leah Lowndes. She's a great author. Uh, she's a communications coach. So she's got these books like uh, How to Talk to Anyone, things like this. And I was reading a lot of sales books like Brian Tracy, the book Influence. And you have to keep in mind, I was also studying advertising at the same time. Okay. So yeah, I definitely learned a lot about you know communication, a lot about sales. Uh, in 2012, I was the, the top canvasser uh, during the Obama campaign in Nevada. So I worked in Las Vegas, and um, I collected the most signed supporter cards, knocking on doors, uh, because of everything I knew about you know how to persuade people. 
Oh, interesting, man. That's really cool. Um, can I ask what school you went to? It was the Art Institute of San Diego. Okay, cool. Interesting. So the Art Institute has specializes in uh, um, advertising, huh? Yeah, so it has a lot of creative programs like multimedia, web design, advertising, graphic design, and they have culinary arts as well. Very cool. So it was a pretty small school, and we were kind of like the the big fish in a small pond. So it was pretty fun. Nice, dude. Now I, I didn't always go to class every time, but <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I mean, as a college student does, right? You get that freedom. It's pretty fun to be able to use your freedom as you choose. Um, I wanted to ask. Yeah, so I, I learned a lot more about that running that business than I did from the classes. I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wanted to quickly jump into um, you being an expat, and you kind of touched upon your residency as being uh, Bangkok. Is that correct, Thailand? Well, yeah, I was based in Bangkok for about two years, but I I think I've pretty much done everything there is to do in Thailand because I've been pretty much every province in Thailand by now. So um, I've lived, you know, there. I've lived in Taiwan. I've lived in Indonesia, uh, Argentina, a bunch of places. So I guess I'm trying to understand better, like when you do live in, say, Bangkok, like are you just doing visa runs, like border runs, to keep you know on, on that tourist visa? Are we ever a resident? Like how are you? maintaining your your status in these places for long periods of time um no i never really do visa runs i mean i tried that once and i didn't really like it i just felt like it was a waste of time and money so um you know like in thailand i can stay for two months if i extend my visa or i can stay one month and then i can go to malaysia or i can go to singapore or i can go to india you know there's so many different countries you can go to um unfortunately most of the cheap flights if you want to go everywhere are all from kuala lumpur so even though I love Bangkok much better, um, I fly, I've been flying into Kuala Lumpur a lot more lately. And um, if you go to Malaysia, for instance, you get a three-month visa, but I never usually stay there for three months. So I might stay for a couple weeks, you know, go to the gym, um, you know, get some work done, and then I'll go off on another adventure, hit up a new country. So, um, you know, I'm in India now, but I was in Thailand um, last month, and the month before that I was in Taiwan. Uh, Sorry, I was in Sri Lanka, and then before that I was in Taiwan. So then I was in Jakarta before that. So um, you know, you have a lot of room to operate. You know, you get get at least a month in each place you go. So that's usually a lot of time. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like so you just stay your visa, and then you move to a new place and stay your visa. How long is your visa for right now in India? My visa in India now is for two months. It's seventy-five dollars though, just for one-time use, which is a bit high for uh, for this part of the world, but. It's a double entry visa, so I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go next. I'm looking at like Nepal or uh, maybe Pakistan or Iran. Um, just kind of thinking of which countries I want to hop through because I can come back to India once. So <laughs> I just try to. I want to. I want to get all the countries in you know this part of the world because I've I've already gotten all the ones in most of the ones in East Asia and Southeast Asia. All the ones in Southeast Asia for sure. So right. right. Um, <laughs> That's cool, man. When you start, you know, thinking about places like Pakistan and Iran, um, how do you approach getting a visa for there? Is it hard to get a visa as an American citizen? I don't think so. Um, I just probably just e visa like you do normally. So I think I'd probably take about two days, just like if I was applying for uh, Vietnam or applying for India, for example. I think India takes one or two days, so I don't think it's difficult. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I just interviewed a gentleman, yeah. uh, Carlos Papelka. He's been riding his bicycle for the last three years and spent a lot of time riding around Iran and, and Pakistan and all the stands. And 
you know, I've always been intrigued by the Middle East and definitely want to spend a little bit more time. Uh, I haven't been to many countries there, but it's just such a beautiful ancient place that I think deserves deserves a check out. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Iran. And, um, you know, I had one friend that just was there recently and we just had dinner the other night. And he said that when he was there, he never paid for accommodation or anything like that. You know, people always were inviting him into their home and stuff like that and, uh, you know, feeding him and stuff like this. So he said the hospitality was just amazing. Yeah, how do you feel about that, you know, being an introvert um, and then having that kind of hospitality not pushed upon you, but having it just be like you're in their culture, you want to be respectful, you have everybody inviting you back to their house. Um, Does that ever get overwhelming for you? Do you ever just feel like you just want to have your own space but feel like you don't want to step on anybody's toes culturally? Well, yeah, I mean it can if somebody wants to spend too much time. I I don't mind people. I love to be around people. I'm good with people, but it's just like after too long, you know, like I just get really, really tired, you know, like after I do one of these workshops, for instance, and people just want to keep asking me questions over and over and just so they won't stop. And and it's just like I just feel exhausted, you know. So sometimes I just need to find some solitude so I can center myself, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can just relax and take it easy and um, just practice some healthy habits so that I can be centered. Um, I think being centered is very important. So uh, always bringing my music with me is, is helpful. I have these huge headphones, which are really good for ignoring touts and people who try to solicit me on the street and they can't get through. Um, <laughs> and of course I like to dance and, you know, breathing exercises. I, I don't really like have a meditation practice, but I think it's important to, to take time to center yourself. Yeah. I want to touch upon your dancing cause that's intriguing to me. Now, were you like a B-boy? Were you like break dancing on the streets or what's your background in dance? Well, I mean, I've studied different styles for the last several years, but you know, it was only a couple of years ago where I just started doing more of like the urban street dance style. And I don't know, I just do it because it's fun and I try to do it every day because it's what I love to do the most. So um, it's just really nice. All I need is a little bit of music and I can dance. I don't have to, it doesn't matter where I am or I don't have to go to a club or anything like that. I can just, you know, go to a park or just dance at home. And um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, people love the videos. So. Uh, I, I try to do videos in every city I go, but um, I find it's usually helpful if I get settled in first and I'm a little more centered, you know, versus uh, lately I've just been flying around so quickly that I just, you know, dancing has been like, the creating dance videos like been least of my priorities lately, so. Um, but I've, I've done videos like, you know, all over the place, like in Taipei, Singapore, Bangkok, Ho Chi Minh City, you know, you name it, all over Asia, so. Is there a location that the audience and I can go check those videos out after this episode? Uh, um, they're only on my personal Facebook page. Okay. So I can't actually, like, um, I can't upload them to YouTube or anything because YouTube will probably take them down. Why would they take them down? Well, because the music, I don't, I don't know the music. So, oh, okay. um, you know, the artist can file a, a copyright claim or something. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. Um, one thing I'm curious about is when you do get to, because you travel a lot, you know, you're constantly moving, constantly motivated to keep checking out new things. What kind of routine do you have when you actually land, or what do you, what's that instinct that drives you to go explore? What are you looking for? Are you going to that like national park or that museum? Like, what's that thing that's driving you to explore a city and see something specific? Well, I don't know if it's something specific. Um, I just like entering into new worlds. You know, it feels like. It's fresh 
chance at life, like you're starting life over again and um, get to go new places and meet new people and you get to try new things. And I just think that's just so much fun. If I stay somewhere too long, I just feel like I'm stagnating a little bit. So, you know, like in California, San Diego, um, I've already done everything there is to do in San Diego, you know? Yeah. Same in like, Thailand. Sorry, they're, they're closing up the cafe here, so there's a little bit of noise. No worries. Uh, same thing in like Thailand, for example, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I love Thailand. It's, it's like the most convenient country on the planet. You can get anything you want there, um, and it's cheap. So I go there when I want to like, when I want to get healthy and, um, you know, prepare for other adventures. So I spent two months there, uh, you know, just getting really, getting really ripped at the gym and eating healthy and stuff and just getting ready for my Central Asia adventure. I love it, dude. That's awesome. Sorry that they talk so loud. <laughs> no, it's okay. I love it's, it's great for the audience just because this is how we, we live. It's just always on the move and, you know, you have to take what you can get, especially when there's internet connections that are decent. So I'm stoked. No worries, man. Um, you know, you've talked a little bit about yeah. budgets and traveling and you are still conscious of you know, what it costs to get places and visas and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm under the impression that you do make, you know, decent money. Like you're in the six figure range. Like, is that accurate? Uh, I do very well. I, like I said, I, I don't have an issue with money at all. I can basically go anywhere I want. And then, so your frugality is just more of, of something that you do because it's who you are. And, hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, there was a there was a bit of a lag. Oh no worries. I was just um, inquiring more about you know with your a little you have it sounds like you have a, a frugal side to you that you do like to be economical and and traveling on a budget. Is there a reason for that? Like, or is it because you maybe meet more interesting people when you travel like that, or is there a reason behind that? Yeah, I'm not really the person that just lusts after money. I mean, that money has never been one of my goals. I never really cared about making a lot of money. Um, I just look at my life as like I'm more of like uh, a warrior. So if I try to put myself in a place of luxury, I don't I don't want to be in a place of luxury because then I'll just lose my focus. I'll you know get spoiled and I won't be someone who produces the things that I'm able to produce. You know, so I want to make sure that I'm very disciplined um, and you know not too not too fat off of my earnings. I guess like. Um, who was the one Russian author? Theodore Dostoevsky. You know, whenever he became wealthy off the sales of his books, uh, he couldn't write anymore. You know, so he would gamble his his earnings away uh, so he could write great literature again. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm very kind of Spartan, I guess. Uh, I have my my goals are related on what I want to do rather than how much I want to make, because I just feel like trying to make money is a meaningless goal. At least, at least it is for me. Um, you know, for some people that's that's really important to them and you know they want five-star resorts and that's great i don't stay in those places unless my the girl that i'm dating demands it so um you know sometimes i'll we'll splurge a little bit on, on that like that but um as far as myself um you know just something comfortable something simple is, is best i love it dude I, I feel the same way um you know going down this rabbit hole that i have been going down where i you know i've, I've now interviewed chris reynolds from entrepreneur house now you um, I'd like to get you know Andrew Henderson on the on the show next ha, with the digital or the sorry the nomad capitalist. Have you ever used his services by chance? Like, do you adhere to that kind of lifestyle of trying to what what does he say? Uh, go where they treat you best. Well, I haven't hired Andrew uh, directly, but we've been on each other's podcasts, and um, uh, you know, I'm I'm really into the geo arbitrage stuff. I I don't have like um, second passports or 
um, a business setup in Georgia, anything like that, you know, I probably yeah. should. Um, but I'm, I'm not too into that. I, I know Andrew knows a lot about that, so he'd be a great guy to ask about that. Yeah, no, I hope to one day. I was just wondering, since it sounds like you guys were friends, if you you have gone down that road to try to, you know, at least save some of the money that you work so hard to earn. But I know money's not a, you know, your thing, but it's still a very interesting way of life that I've, I'd definitely like to try um, to model mine after. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got plenty of money saved up these days, you know, like I, I just try not to touch it, you know, because I just let it, um, you know, I, I notice that, you know, when I make more money, I tend to spend more money. So um, sometimes I try to pull myself back a little bit. But um, for me, the solution is always just been, you know, make more money. And that's that's what I'm good at. Um, you know, growing the business, mar- marketing is what I'm really good at. So um, I can basically get customers and clients whenever I want to. And it's, it's very easy for me. So if I want to earn more, um, I know exactly what I have to do. And that's kind of what the, the growth hacking book is about. Yeah, let's talk about some of your books because you have a lot of them. And is mm-hmm. there one that stands out? I mean, I know with Dr. Growth, that's your newest one. Um, is there one that you have written that you just feel like, was just really just the one that encapsulates you as a person? Well, I think that the, the new book has the most value of anything that I've done yet, and that's the Dr. Growth book. Um, but then I have other books about other types of hacks, and um, some of them have been received very well. Uh, the first book that I wrote was called Buy Your Own Island, and it was basically a book about lifestyle design. But it was my first book, so you know it was a worthy effort. But um, <laughs> I think I tried to throw everything I could into that book, and um, you know maybe it was a little bit unfocused. But there was a lot of like really good stuff in that book about like you know how to make your dream goals kind of a reality. Um, and by the way, I might, I might not even agree with what I wrote two years ago or three years ago when I published the book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of good stuff in there if you if you want to create a lifestyle business or you know create the location independent lifestyle. I mean, a lot of it's still very useful. Um, it's a lot of our concepts that I've kind of internalized. So um, as far as like creating a smart business that works for you, um, I call it an elf business. It's easy, lucrative, and fun versus a half business, which is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. <laughs> I like those acronyms. That's really cool, dude. Do you spend still a lot of time working on Open World Magazine? Well, it's I don't spend a lot of time as I used to blogging, and I do uh, write some blogs. I uh, do podcasts still, but um, it's only when I have time to do it, basically. Um, most most of my blogging, as far as related to this book and the growth hacking stuff that I do, it's all on Medium. Because I find that Medium's a lot easier for prospecting. It's a lot easier for generating leads. Um, Medium does really well for SEO. It's, it's really easy to share Medium articles. Mm-hmm. So um, if I want to generate leads with like, my blog posts, I'll use Medium. So I might like take a chapter from my book and then copy and paste it on Medium or uh, take a really good newsletter that I sent to my list and copy and paste it on Medium. Um, and then I can reach new markets by repurposing a lot of content. No, yeah, it's a good strategy for sure. Um, I only have a few more questions that I've been really wondering about, which is, you know, how many languages are you speaking nowadays? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know a little bit of a lot of languages. Um, so the ones I'm fluent in are English, Spanish, and Thai. Uh, but then I, I know, like, some intermediate Japanese and some Chinese and some Indonesian. Um, 
a little bit of some a few other languages. Now, when you're in these places, do you sit down and study, or are you just through the interactions daily learning them? Do do I sit down and do what? Sorry. Study the languages in these places that you find yourself, or do you just uh, learn them through the interactions on your day to day? Yeah, I just learn them through interactions on day to day. I never, I've never taken a class or anything like that. I, I mean, I hate classes in general. You know, I, I couldn't wait to get out of school when I was in there. So, <laughs> um, it's it's really easy. You know, like you just. You have a lot of common words and phrases that you use often, you know, like um, how much is it or uh, good morning or, you know, which, where do I find this or whatever it might be. So uh, those phrases are pretty consistent to each language and you can basically just like, um, you know, save them once you learn them or you can ask them, you can ask a local like, how do I say this? So in Thai, for example, you say, Pasa Thai Rakwa Yong Rai, which means uh, how do you say this in Thai? And uh, people will tell you, and then I'll just like you know save it to my phone. So I'm just learning new words all the time. Whenever there's a word I don't know, I'll just ask someone. And um, you know, before long, I'll have I have a guide that I created on Thai, for example, and it's like eight pages long um, of you know words and phrases with two columns basically. So uh, you know that's that's pretty good to to know most things. Like you may not be able to discuss like politics and stuff, but you can still talk about a lot of things. No, it's a genius way to do it. I like that. And language has never been a gift of mine, and I'm, you know, been here a long time. My Spanish is still terrible, but uh, which is embarrassing to admit, but it's true. Um, you know, for for the person out there who is considering, you know, designing their life in the way they want, what kind of advice would you give them if they're stuck in a situation they're not happy in right now? You have to be willing to fail. Um, you know, don't worry about being successful. Instead, think about how you can fail every single day. Uh, think about how you can double your rate of failure, and ideally, you should be able to fail 200 times per day. So, if you want to really grow and you want to go far, that's the that's the recipe. So, for me, because I use a lot of tools, I use software automation. Like, um, I have one software that can send 100 LinkedIn messages a day. I have another one that can send 50 Facebook messages a day. Um, so, I know that I can meet my failure requirement every single day. How does that meeting your failure requirement if you're sending? Uh, LinkedIn messages. I don't understand. Um, because you have to be able to like make connections. Like um, I, I don't know how many messages I've sent out today. I just I just emailed my newsletter, so that's three thousand people I just messaged. Um, I've emailed everyone that attended my co-working uh, talks uh, today as well, just before this call. Um, so I basically I've sometimes I email three thousand journalists. You know, sometimes I email two thousand LinkedIn connections all in one go. Um, so. Uh, you know, I might I might send out like 40 messages on Facebook per day, but um, you know maybe 10 people will respond, or maybe five people will respond, and 35 people won't. So that's 35 failures. Um, but you know, one of the people that wrote back to me the other day was the one who invited me to speak at this hackathon of under 500 people. So um, that was just a result of a, a Facebook direct message. So if you're not you know getting enough failures, you're not going to have enough successes. I love it, Danny. That's a really great way to end this. Thank you so much for coming on, Danny. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your time, and uh, good luck in the future with uh, Dr. Growth, Open World Magazine, and anything else you should uh, do. Do you have a website that you want to send people to to, to look you up or find out uh, what your services are? Yeah, well, you can just look up the book. Um, just type a search in Amazon for Dr. Growth, or you can do a Google search for Danny Flood, and um, you'll... Well, let me see what you'll find. Um, well, you got my blog, and then there's a link to my books on Amazon and some other properties where you can get in touch with me. 
if you want some to see some free chapters from the book, I'm on Medium as well. So uh, you can type in Danny Flood Medium into Google, and then I've got some uh, guides on there for like how I do growth hacking, how I um, how I earn money everywhere I travel, for example. That's a good one for digital nomads. Uh, how I generate leads on LinkedIn, how I approach my marketing, my whole philosophy is on there. And you can read it all for free on Medium. And Medium is a, a website that hosts these types of things? or Medium is a free uh, blog publishing platform that anyone can use. You can sign up. You can import all of your Facebook contacts. You can import all of your Twitter contacts in there. And it's much easier than using WordPress, for example. Uh, you know, WordPress, you have to design it yourself. You have to add plugins. You have to upgrade it all the time. Uh, Medium's always ready to publish, and Medium articles are really easy to share. You can submit them to other publications with one click, um, and they're really easy to share in you know, Facebook groups, Reddit, versus if you're trying to send people to your blog. You know, People don't like self-promotion, but if you're using Medium, it's it's really easy way to get your ideas out there. You can uh, start, you can just sign up and start publishing right away. That's really cool, man. I'm going to look that, look that up right after we get off the phone here. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank you again, Danny. It's been really nice chatting with you, and I know my audience has gotten a lot from this conversation, dude. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Chapin. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.